Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I want to tell you my secret now. I see dead people. Silent Green is people! No. I am the father. What's in the box? You maniac! You blew it up! Damn you all to hell! Hello and welcome to Slate's Spoiler Specials for Friday, September 20th. I'm June Thomas. I'm the Senior Managing Producer of Slate Podcasts. And I am here to talk about Downton Abbey. I'm not going to tell you who I'm with yet because I want you just to be thinking... Are they bringing back the band? Is the band getting back together? Yes, I'm here with Seth Stevenson. Hello, Seth Stevenson. Hello, June. It's like we never left this podcast studio. We didn't. It's only been, what, four years since the last episode of Downton Abbey slunk off of PBS. And yet here we are again, ready to talk about the shenanigans upstairs and downstairs. Times are changing. History rolls forward. (laughs) But Downton Downton remains. Um, I talked about a band that requires musical instruments. Do you have any musical instruments? June, I had my valet <laughs> climb deep into the catacombs, the storage catacombs of Stevenson Abbey mm. to dig out oh. an old instrument. Oh. This is the bell. If you didn't listen to June and I in the past, this is a bell we would often use to summon hot towels or a a small glass of brandy when we needed to as we were podcasting. Oh, when I needed my frocks to be adjusted. <laughs> Which was all the time. All the time. Never stop adjusting your frocks. So mid-podcast, you'd be like, I need this hem. It's down to my heel, but I need it further out. <laughs> <laughs> longer, longer. <laughs> and so you would ring yeah, the royal se- yeah. the seamstress, or maybe yeah. even the queen's seamstress. Yeah, yeah. When I really want the nice kleptomaniac to sort me out. The light-fingered <laughs> seamstress. The queen. We're already getting ahead of ourselves. We're ahead already of talking okay. about the film. So Downton Abbey, the television show, has been away for four years, but- Guess what? They made a movie. They made a movie out of it. it. Before we get into spoiling all the things that are to be spoiled, can I just say, I kind of loved going back to Downton. And I was thoroughly sick of the thing by the end of the TV show. It just felt like they were repeating, repeating, repeating themselves. But I was kind of glad to have a little bit of all those old familiar faces and old familiar themes again. I fully agree. The TV show had run its course. And you and I, it felt, to be honest, a bit of... Starting to edge into drudgery at Ennui, the end. we it was to th- say the least. Becoming a bit of a death march at the end as we were yeah. recapping these episodes. But a little time away, absence mm-hmm. makes the heart grow fonder. It certainly does. I was also thrilled. We sat there in the screening room and I didn't know what to expect. But as as it began and the music swelled the music. up and the camera swooped over yeah. the grand dame that is that house and and, yes and i was once again just transported to another world and i enjoyed it the whole time i was never bored i was delighted the entire time and and i was left with a warm feeling in my heart i was too i also you know i did feel like my expertise was coming to bear because the opening scene was an echo of the opening scene of s1e1 
Um, I don't know if you remember, but in the opening scene of the very first episode of the show, a telegram was being sent uh, and for the inhabitants of Downton Abbey to tell them that their heir and Lady Mary's uh, fiancé had been lost in the Titanic. Tragically died. Yes. And we saw, you know, da, 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 and it was like, oh my goodness, this message needs to be conveyed. And this time we had a message and it was conveyed actually very dramatically. And, you know, we, we saw the, the Royal Mail being sorted on a train, making its way swiftly northward uh, toward Yorkshire. And it was like thrilling. I felt, oh, an Easter egg that I get to munch on without any need to have my dress pulled out uh and um and yet it was also like a happy instead of this endless kind of you know round and round about the inheritance or an inheritance or the entail in all of that business this was now potentially at least a happy thing it was that the king and queen of england king george v and his wife mary were going to come to yorkshire and they were going they wanted to stay at downton abbey so when I heard there was going to be a movie, first of all, I jumped in the air and said, huzzah. <laughs> huzzah. And then I thought about what will they send, what sort of plot will they center this film on? And I th- assumed that it would be some historical event that it would, you know, how, it is, how can we entwine Downton Abbey with some sort of historical event mm-hmm. that everyone's familiar with mm-hmm. and add some drama through that borrowed interest. But instead, it was just like this fun visit from the king and queen. And I think that was a great choice actually not to try to like ratchet up the dramatic stakes too much it was basically a fun three episodes of Downton Abbey crammed into one movie and um, I think it was a really good choice yeah it's striking that they were able to bring back pretty much everyone who survived to the end of the TV show is back for the movie and that's kind of too many people to give like real storylines to so some of them like uh, Cora basically just Just gets to do some off, like off-screen conniving. Yes, in the she did almost nothing. Almost I mean, it just nothing. served to sort of cement that oh, their relationship is in a good state, and exactly. Downton is in good hands. Exactly. And- so, like, not everybody got a lot to do, but the small stakes actually, I agree with you, Seth. For the most part, felt like a relief. Okay, so let's start with those stakes. The royals are coming. The royals are coming. First, we're reminded that terms. Carson has left the building. He's now retired. He's working in his garden. He's married to Mrs. Hughes still. Uh, they appear to be happy, but he's no longer butling. Now, Thomas is the butler in the house. But when the royal visit is announced and, and you know, they, they realize there's going to be all kinds of things happening, Thomas seems to kind of lose his grip a little bit. He gets a little overexcited. And so the upshot of this is Mary senses that Thomas Barrow is, is losing control of mm. the whole situation. And mm. Mary has a freak out and goes to, you know, to her rock, Carson. They've yes. always had this close relationship. They have. Mary goes to Carson and says, I don't think Thomas Barrow can handle this. Carson, will you come back? Now, I want to say a few things. First of all. This is sort of rude on Mary's part. Mm-hmm. I mean, she didn't really even give Thomas much of a chance to find his footing. I mean, if I got a message saying the king and queen are, are coming, I would be a little thrown off my game for yeah, like a little bit. He, he still had time to recover and get it together, but she just wasn't going to mess around. She was no. just like, nope, we need Carson here. Carson's the one who can help us. I found that a little bit rude on her part, a little bit dismissive of Thomas Barrow's abilities. Uh, and... I don't, I'm not sure that Carson did a fantastic job. I mean, we'll get into what happens, but Carson basically oversees a coup in a really ineffectual way where he doesn't 
like manage to prevent it or try that hard to prevent it or encourage it. He just kind of sits there and lets a coup happen on his mm-hmm. watch. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say necessarily that we got improved performance right. from Carson. The other thing I want to say about Carson is I don't think that this movie will garner a lot of Academy Awards <laughs> interest, but I do think there could be one best supporting actor award mm. awarded to Carson's eyebrows. Oh. Which wow. were in incredible form. Amazing. Had a really evocative, just an evocative performance from his eyebrows, I felt like, that that had me gripped. And I felt there was like character development over the, the course eyebrows? of the film from the eyebrows. Wow. The way they behaved at the beginning, the waggles at the beginning were different from at the end. There was a, an arc. So, the, so they'd really grown? An arc. They... <laughs> They'd grown. And the arc of the eyebrows, both the physical arc of them, like their Literally, shape, yeah. but also the character arc, wow. the narrative arc of the eyebrows wow. was amazing. Wow. Anyway, yes. that's what I had to say. I, w- I want to add two things about Carson, <laughs> yes. if I may. So the first is there were two occasions that I noted where they kind of threw out some of the continuity or some of the facts from the show oh. for the movie. Uh, one of them was Daisy, who just seemed to be living in the house just as much as she always had. Whereas, in fact, at the end of the TV show, she was off to live with her father-in-law, Mr. Mason at the farm, but whatever. Uh, And then the second thing was that Carson, one of the reasons that he left, it wasn't just that he was ready to retire. That would be much too sensible. It was that he had developed a sort of palsy and so that he really couldn't handle the the butling work anymore. Yes. And that just seemed to have been forgotten also. That very delicate decanting of yeah. the wine yeah. that the king's page of the backstairs, let mm-hmm. us not call mm-hmm. him a butler. The king's no. page of the backstairs was doing that incredibly delicate decanting of yeah. the wine where he yeah. has to turn this little lever or this yeah. little crank to decant the wine yeah. ever so slowly. There's no way a man with a palsy could have handled that. But yet that was just forgotten. But well, I was glad to see Carson back I was in too. Oh, and the second thing I want to mention about Carson, and this is more about... Um, the sort of behind the scenes uh, rather than beneath stairs. But another of the storylines in this episode above stairs was involved um, Violet, the Dowager Countess, getting into a scheming situation. As with, always. As always. With Lady Bagshaw, Maud Bagshaw, who was played by Imelda Staunton, great British actress, who is also the real life wife of the actor who plays Carson. June, these are the kinds of details that you bring to this podcast. She's a great British actress. She's a fine singer, too, as it happens, but she wasn't called upon to do that this particular time around. Okay, so back to the plot, back to the plot. So, as I mentioned, Violet, the Dowager Countess, played by Maggie Smith, now has something else to worry about, which is uh, whether this person we've never heard of before. Yes, I thought, I, as she was introduced, I was like, was I supposed to know who this no, is? And no. I suddenly was like, Am I, have I forgotten huge patches of the, pre- yeah. of the, of the television I mean, show? Who all, is this person? All credit to the people behind Downton Abbey that they were able to find a, a British actor or actress of stature who had not yet already been <laughs> cast in Downton Abbey. <laughs> he thought everyone else had already been there. And Imelda Staunton is one of the rare British actors who kind of toggles between play and posh in common. She does both, whereas most people are assigned one or the other. So, you know, the fact that she came in as a posh person in in the movie, maybe that was kind of why she was still available, so to speak. But yes, she is a royal lady in waiting. You know, so she's minor, minor, minor aristocracy. Uh, She's a widow. Uh, Her husband died in the Boer War. But she now is, you know, one of the Queen Mary's ladies-in-waiting, and Violet is trying to persuade her, 
she's apparently a distant cousin of Violet and Robert and the Crawleys. And Violet is trying to persuade her to give her estate, to give her inheritance to Robert because he's her nearest relative. And she is apparently not down with that plan. Yes. Well, heaven forbid there not be some sort of succession drama, Indeed. Uh, you know, some sort of inheritance controversy and a codicil to a will. To and an entail. Yeah. And a scheming. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, I really felt like, was this a plot point from the series that I completely forgot? Because they just introduced exactly. it as though you were exposed exactly. to know that this was happening. Of course, this would happen. But I'm glad to hear that I had not forgotten about it. No. And that's one of the things, actually, that I was grateful for in the movie, that they just acted like everybody knows who everybody is, because everybody will. Anybody who sees this movie will have seen the TV show or be on a date with somebody who has. But like they didn't. I'm glad they didn't bother to introduce things because like no need. Yeah, I agree. This was this was for veterans. This was not for noobs. And and so they were like, you know what? We all (laughs) we're on the same page here. Here's a question I had about this inheritance controversy, which is. Isn't Violet's son already having trouble with the upkeep on his massive estate? Isn't the last thing he needs like another huge estate to deal with and the upkeep and the responsibility to the hanger-ons and and, and, and the all the tenants these, we'd like to call them rather than hangers-on? The tenants yes. to be more respectful. I I feel like that is that's exactly what he doesn't want. Unless the estate is just a bunch of gold bars sitting right. in a vault. <laughs> like, does he really want more acreage and another yeah. like like pile of bricks that need to be repointed? Like what? Yeah, and, uh, he uh, didn't seem that interested. In no, it, I agree. Honest. He didn't seem like he cared. But we need something for Violet to scheme over. And, and Violet fine. needs, more importantly, perhaps Violet needs something to scheme exactly. over. You know, I'm going to go a little bit ahead of myself and say that I was slightly disappointed in the quality of zingers that were supplied to Violet oh, really? this episode. Did, were you oh. satisfied with them? You had you had zinger regret. You yeah, had I just little... like it just felt a little bit slightly muted. Not total duds, but just like is that the best you got? You remember on the TV show they used to put together entire trailers oh, yes. of her zingaroos. Oh mm. yes. Here's how I'll respond to you, June. What piffle you talk? <laughs> I don't even remember if she said that. Somebody said did, that, yeah. but it was a pretty good zinger that came yeah. out. No, I see. I hear what you're saying. I would rate what you say as twenty five percent piffle. Uh huh. Uh huh. I think I know what piffle is. I get. I contextually, yeah. I sort it's like of cod swallop. All again, yeah. contextually, I understand what cod swallop and piffle are. I yeah, don't yeah. literally know what they are. Yeah. I'm not sure I want to know no, literally what they are. No, but no. there was one that that stuck out for me mm. from her, which was oh, wait, what was it? Oh yes, she said, "Will you have enough cliches to get you through the visit?" <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. That was a pretty decent zinger. Zinger, and she also said somebody compared her to Machiavelli, and she said Machiavelli had many qualities. <laughs> Those were okay. There were yeah. a few decent Caligula ones. was also brought into that particular yeah. comparison. I hear yeah. what you're saying, though. I, I did have to look to my yeah. notes, yeah, to be exactly. fair. I had to look Checks in my notes. notes to find. They weren't just like on the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. And also, I have to say, I was surprised that below stairs, the people who were given storylines were Thomas, which we'll get to. But also Daisy. Daisy is really beloved of the Downton Abbey writers. And she actually got lines saying things like, I mean, sometimes it's things like they're all mental or this is rubbish, but also things like we're not footballs, Mr. Bates, and we don't deserve a kick in, you know, things like that, which, you know, for this show and this this writer's room, which is, I understand it is just Mr. Fel- Lord, excuse me, Lord Fellows, <laughs> then, you know, that's that's what counts as like, woohoo. Yeah. Daisy did get a little bit more of a presence than I was expecting. She had a full storyline and yeah. everything. Yeah. Which was a complete repetition of the oh thing God. that she had twice around with William. That's true. Lord oh Fellows isn't 
one on like you know breaking out a brand new no. set of tools he really likes just to dust off the yeah. old tools and the use old they worked what worked tricks. in the exactly. past exactly. Well, let's <laughs> give it another go exactly. and i mean i like we said this this movie was for people yeah. who've seen the yeah. show yeah. You, i don't think you wanted something no. like a radical departure from you kind of wanted the same thing over again yeah and we got it so thank you lord fellows with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so as we sort of hinted at earlier, uh, the royals are coming, the king and queen, and um, then... While Thomas is being a bit dithery and Carson is being brought in to sort of help him sort stuff out, we learn that, in fact, never mind. This is after we've seen Mrs. Patmore and Daisy go down to the local shop where the local greengrocer is just thrilled beyond belief to, you know, supply uh, lard and beef stock for the royal meal. The highlight of his, not just his professional career, but of his life, June. His life. <laughs> he makes cl- very clear this is the peak of his life. Indeed. To supply some, like, Crisco yeah. for the king. Some tallow. <laughs> and so Mrs. Patmore hasn't got the the heart to tell him actually, we're not making the royal meal because they learn or have learned at that point that actually when the royals, when the king and queen go on tour, they bring an entire set of retainers that take care of all that stuff. That move in like in, in elaborate coordination where one set is like doing the advance work for yeah. the next house and this yeah. one's here. And as soon as this one gets the set up of the house, they're on to like two houses down the line. Yeah. It's a real military operation. Yeah. That actually kind of made my head hurt a little bit and didn't totally make sense. But we understood a little while later why they bothered to give us all that setup. But this delighted me in a way because it gave the downstairs people something to plot about, which, as we've established, plotting and scheming is what Downton's all about. It's the fuel. But it was a little aggravating to me, but not at all surprising, that what the downstairs people ended up getting up in arms about and rebelling about was not the fact that they are vassals to the aristocracy. Oh, no. But to fight against a whole other set of commoners who are themselves dedicated to serving the aristocracy. And in fact, while the aristocrats and the royals who we saw were to a man and woman, the very soul of gracious sort of less majesty, the servants were just horrible people. The steward of the back stairs or whatever his name, excuse me, the page of the back stairs, uh, the woman who, Mrs. Webb, who was the housekeeper. Uh, the, the kleptomaniac And then seamstress. the kleptomaniac seamstress and Monsieur Corbet, the, the cook, were revolting, arrogant, hideous people. Terrible and, people. And, and, so, and Andy, Daisy's fiance, like tries to sabotage the visit by ruining the boiler in a fit of pique. Exactly. Like, they're all just these like, it can't control their emotions, right. rough around the edges, get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> not not Thomas's fault, but right. yes, they're like rabble, 
rabble. like hot-headed rabble as opposed to the serene, yes, exactly, yeah. gracious yeah. people upstairs. Let's get into the the, yes. the, the broader politics a yes. little bit later. But yes. yes, the politics of this I found extremely annoying. Yes. Another person I was surprised uh, who made a comeback um, to serve the royals and eventually did so was Molesley, who had finally been given a little bit of dignity and a vocation at the end of the TV show when he was found to be, of all things, a sort of um, like a... A, a teacher savant, like he was the world's greatest educator, and yes, so he, he found some direction yeah. away from like being a servant. And he, yes, exactly, some dignity, some self worth. But no, the king and queen show up, drop everything, allow me to prostrate myself exactly. before them, allow me to need like literally curtsy literally. and lose all dignity, dignity. in all front of the king and gone. queen. Gone, gone, gone. But anyway, so he also got a storyline. June, I just, I do want to tell our listeners. June and I watched this in a screening room together in Manhattan, and we sat next to each other, and we we had a great time. And when Molesley showed up on screen, June went, Moles! <laughs> she got so excited. <laughs> really added well, to the experience. So, yes. And I was like, oh, but also, hey! <laughs> Moles! Mr. M, Mr. M, how you doing? Yes. Okay, so there's something which I'll just mention, but it was so pointless that even by Downton standards, it seemed like like the equivalent of, of like the tail that we all have somewhere vestigially on our persons and our skeletons, which was that Princess Mary, the the Princess Royal, the, the, the king and queen's oldest daughter. Yes, who I Wikipedia, so I'm prepared. Good. She now lives up north. She now lives in Harewood, I believe, the, mm. the, the sort of next big house over. Married to a gruff, cold, uh, noble, cells. 15 yeah. years her senior. Who is just a dick. Yes. Like, there's no other word for it. Just likes to hunt and, and ignore his children and be a dick. Oh, and so, like, the queen, when when uh, Lady Mary and Cora and I guess Grandma, I can't remember, come over and they are kind of worried about it because they're, they're, I guess the word is out that she's not happy. And then she is so clear that when the children are brought in, like off schedule, but still the children are brought in. She is just sort of transformed. Her face lights up. She clearly loves, adores her children. And then her husband comes in and like kicks out the kids because kids aren't allowed in the drawing room until 6 p.m. or something. And so she's very unhappy. He's a he's a horrible, controlling husband. There's like something else happens, but it's like, what is the point it of that? It was very weird to bring in that real life character. Yeah, yeah. And the only arc there is that she is convinced by Tom Branson to stay with her terrible husband, right. which is odds. It's like they wanted to have a real life royal who they could have the people of Downton somehow like affect her life. Mm-hmm. But then the effect on her life was like that nothing will change and she'll stay with this terrible man who she shouldn't stay with. Right. I also felt she was sort of carefully when I Wikipedia at her uh-huh. and learned a little bit about she did not go to Queen Elizabeth's wedding in protest because the Duke of Windsor was not invited to the wedding. Oh. The abdicator was not invited to the wedding. And so in protest, Princess Mary did not go to Queen Elizabeth's wow. wedding. Well, he was her brother, of course. Uh, yes, he was her brother. And yeah. yeah, so she had a soft spot for him. But she is remembered as in like an, an uncontroversial Royal, I guess she didn't have too many black marks against her, uh-huh. you know, maybe not attending the wedding, but there, people understood why yeah, she yeah, wouldn't yeah. attend the wedding. Loyalty. It's basically like a very uncontroversial royal. So I guess they felt they could bring her in without really saying too much one way or the other yeah. and then have a storyline where like Tom Branson changes the path of her life in which the path just continues. <laughs> right. And then we know, of course, that in the current generation, now we're at the stage where 
Royal's divorce. Mm. But, but not the, her. The, the, the world hadn't changed that much yet. Yes, Branson, times are changing, <laughs> yes, but not fast but not, enough for exactly. Princess Mary. Exactly. So the other thing that's happening with the royals, they're going to like have dinner at Downton. Mm. By the way, go- they arrive in like a single car. Yes. They like they had no. They just arrive in one motor car. The king and queen, like king and like, queen, ladies and gentlemen. That, there's like no entourage at all. It just seemed really that seemed odd to me. Poor, poor security too, which will be a bit of a theme. It will. It will. But uh, yeah, they arrive. They're going to come and stay at Downton, and they're they're going to see a parade. The, the Yorkshire Hussars are going to parade in front of them. Um, so the king's going to be on his horse and they're going to be, you know, I guess... A, in his finery. In his finery. And uh, then the next day there's going to be a ball at Harewood and that's it, the thing that involves the royals. It's a parade, a dinner, and then the next day at a different venue. house, a mm-hmm. different venue that, that, the, that the servants of Downer are not responsible for. Indeed. There will be a ball. Indeed. That's the order of events. Indeed. And then they will move, the tour will continue. Exactly. They come here, everything's fine, they're kind of nice. Um, but then there's this plot line, which I have to say my heart sank when this grim-faced Major, Major... Chetwood? Ch- Chetwood, yes. Major Chetwood shows up and takes an interest in Tom Branson. And it just felt like the worst elements of the show. We didn't quite see his horns, but like he just was presented like... Oh, look, he's a bad guy, you know. He's like wearing a hat and skulking around Skulk. for no, no apparent reason, reason no. that he's skulking, but he is. Yeah. He's wearing like a trench coat and just, yeah. it just has a face that looks like, oh, you're up to no good. Rather a handsome chap, but he was clearly being given the, the baddie edit. Mm. So, like, there's some bullshit with Tom. Uh, but we're just <laughs> so kind sort of, of like which vaguely is anti-Irish. Really, exactly, which is just about <laughs> as much credit as I can give it. But basically, Tom's loyalty was being tested. Tom, the who, Republican, the Republican who we know when he first came to to Downton was an Irish Republican, and he eventually married, of course, your favorite Lady Sybil. Oh, Lady was Sybil, widowed. R. I. P. Lady Sybil was widowed. Stayed on at Downton. Became. You know, now he, he and Mary's husband, who was weirdly absent during the movie. That was like However, the sitcom where the guy's making a movie and they're like, you can't be in the episode. We, we offer a brief, unconvincing explanation for his absence. Uh, and then he just and shows, he up, in shows up in the last scene. End. And also like his name, like by contractual obligation, I can only assume is above Maggie Smith's on oh, the gosh. credits. So it's Matthew Good, Maggie Smith. <laughs> I think oh, that is weird. That's so strange. I wonder what he had to do that was so important, Matthew Good, that you couldn't show up with Lady Mary. And Lady Mary got a nice new bob, by the let's I not know. forget. A really nice new bob for this movie. She did. And yet Matthew Good couldn't be bothered no. to show up and support her. Anyway, anyway I've, I've taken this off know, track. So, right. so Branson and Mary are sort of jointly running the Downton right. estate, keeping the books. he and her husband have a car Some sort store. of automotive Auto- enterprise. Exactly, exactly. I, I don't even fully understand what it is and it's like in an alley he's got like car stuff exactly (laughs) but clearly he is still loyal and his daughter Sibby hangs out with Mary's kids with the Marchioness is in town like she hangs with the kids of her generation and so clearly he is loyal to the Crawley family folded into the family quite clearly but then when somebody comes to town with nefarious purposes he immediately seeks out Tom but then in a in a, the most desultory way that I can't possibly even give credit to, 
Tom, when the king is completely open and available for shooting on his horse. <laughs> wide open. Wide no open. Guards. No security. No nobody. Nobody even looking down a back alley. Tom single-handedly. Well, actually, not quite single-handedly because Mary, who is distrustful of Tom, kind of chases him and gets in the way. When Tom brings down Major Ch- Major Chetwin or Major Chetwood and, uh, you know, is wrestling over the gun, Mary swoops in and grabs the gun uh, and Major Chetwood is arrested and the king is saved and like, yeah, there you go. That, that whole storyline, which was like the, the B story, the C, the C minus um, story. I don't point. know right, what it was. Right. But it's like Tom, maybe Tom's going to be dis. Maybe the guy is like a private investigator checking on right, Tom's right. loyalty on behalf That's of the king. That's what we're supposed to wonder. But then, and we're not sure, but then it turns out he's plotting against the king and trying to rope Tom into his mm-hmm. plot. But plot, but Tom's not having it. But, the, but Mary suspects that maybe Tom is going to be disloyal and is worried about that. And then it's the quaintest regicide attempt it I've is. ever heard. Like one exactly. guy with like a little pistol gets like wrestled. To, why did Tom not like alert the authorities? First of all, why did he try to just, I'll just handle this, he yeah, says. Exactly. He's like, I'm just going to handle this regicide attempt and thwart it myself, which made no sense. Why wouldn't he? It th- made no sense. I can't even attempt alert to offer an answer the authorities. And no. then he like wrestles the guy to the ground. But the ki- But there was actual like the king was in grave danger of being shot at from like 20 feet away by this guy. This is like weird, Although, crazy. I do love the alternate history that this presents because if King George V had been shot right then and killed, maybe uh, King Edward VIII would have succeeded before he met Wallace Simpson oh, and the course of history would have been course changed. Of history, a fascinating but, counterfactual history. But that was not, I hasten to add, suggested or even hinted at in this in the movie but well i think I, my mind was wandering at that point it was really silly i i think they needed some kind of action scene right yep, they wanted yep. some sort yep. of like kinetic physically robust action mm-hmm. scene and so mm-hmm. they created this like regicide attempt yeah, yeah. which was really silly because the but like the second most dramatic like action scene was putting a tarp over chairs in a rainstorm exactly. and they were like can we, get, can we get the tarp over these chairs while it's raining that was like the, yeah, the, the yeah. second Stakes. biggest action scene yes. to happen yes. which i'm fine with i don't yeah. need down yeah. to have big action scenes yeah. i could have done without these yeah because remember attempt. the trenches in world war one Oh, yeah, that did not go well. well. Tarps tarps and and rainstorms. Really silly, although Tom Sparrow still has his little hand cast. Yeah, he does. Years, 10 years, a decade later, a decade on, he still got a little hand cast. Is this a good time to talk about the politics since we're talking about Tom Branson and his Republican Irish loyalties and all that? So I was sort of fascinated by that. Not because of the silly action scene, but because of the politics of this. And the politics of now. Because it's right. Because yeah. it's because the TV show ended pre-Trump, pre-Brexit, if yeah. I'm correct, right? Yes. And did. so this is Downton's first stab at a new plot line post Brexit, mm. post Trump. Mm. And I you know, I didn't want to read too much into it, but Lord Fellows has his mm-hmm. has his inclinations. Mm-hmm. And I wondered how he might try to vaguely incorporate this into the Downton universe. And what he did was have Tom Branson, who's got, you know, who's always sort of tried to balance his loyalty to Ireland with his loyalty to this aristocratic family. And he gives this big speech in the film that's sort of like a climactic emotionally climactic speech in the film which he ge- which he gives to princess mary mm. and the, the the import of the speech is you know what 
I might have my disagreements politically with these folks, but they're good people. people. Let's just set them aside. And I am just going to submerge all my personal feelings about justice in order to just let these aristocrats do what they want to do and just like let things roll on. And it really felt to me like a bit of a horrible comment on the politics of the, our polarized politics yeah, of the day yeah. that we should all set aside our incredibly our very legitimate important differences about like justice and outcomes mm-hmm. and just get on with yeah. each other you might say that tom was the irish backstop i yes. mean it was just <laughs> it was the i think that's something that we see over and over again in downton and have forever that for obvious reasons like there's a there's an underlying conservative that is so strong that the only thing that you'll ever hear is but individuals with good hearts people who are doing their best to you know keep this entire system going for a little bit longer and of course we know that that system can't it's gone incredibly forever. unjust yes. inequitable system yes. that they are trying to preserve yeah. is like oh but they're really good people they're really good. And I, you know what? They are. They yeah. are. I love the Dowager Countess. She's a great person, but, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, or even showing us the shopkeeper, which, of course, is historically accurate. You would, of course, have gotten your food from the local greengrocer. But I kind of had this feeling of like, well, are you, are you setting that up against what will come, you know, 100 years later of, you know, basically big international supermarkets outside of the towns where you have to get into a car and go and do like where the local shops have gone, the high streets are all the same. Like there was also a little bit of, you know, that conservatism, which also is inevitable. And yeah, you know, your local greengrocers are great, but Aldi is cheaper. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, 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 the, and the other thing about about this, this is more about just like the Downton and this and this film and what it was doing. And, and this and now I'll shift to something I, I liked about it was like a regicide attempt, a massive like political disagreement. All these were actually only done in service of like making the characters have a good you know outcome like right. Tom Branson becomes like a really good guy because he stopped the king from being murdered right. and and because he was able to set his politics aside and like for the good of the family and so it lets him have this nice moment another political thing which I don't want to uh, uh, shoot our fox this is a British phase I, mm. I learned recently June, mm. shooting our fox you, is that is that like a widespread one or did I just learn it from an eccentric English person uh, possibly the latter <laughs> possibly well I guess uh, my understanding is that to shoot your fox is like to kind of like step on your own uh-huh. steal your own fox. Uh, Oh, right. So shoot you, your fox. You, so you get rid of your Sh- shot our own yeah. fox. So yeah. anyway, not to shoot our fox. Maybe we'll, we'll get into more later. But but also like the, the, the Thomas Barrow getting arrested in the in the in the gay bar is is like it's it's not presented as like a, a chance to comment on the on like the, the the horrid like social norms of the day. It's a chance for Barrow to like learn a little lesson and come out okay. Yes, <laughs> just, and no, I had to, that that scene or that little section. I was up and down about it. So what happens is Thomas goes with one of the royal servants who's kind of dismissed because he's on the next like the next batch he's already and, done the his advanced yeah. work and he's he's about to move on to the next place and do the advanced work so there. he gets to go to york to visit his mom because he's got a night off and since thomas has been usurped by carson he's got a night off too so they go off to york and the guy has to go see his mother so thomas is in a pub and a guy is making eyes at him and thomas has been in this situation before and so when the guy invites him somewhere he you know he goes along he's happy to go along but he is 
thrilled and shocked and surprised to find that they're sort of proto-gay bar in York. Yes. His eyes Curtains. are open to a whole new world he didn't know existed with these men dancing with each yeah. other and just complete- kissing and being open. Like some of them are femme, some of them aren't. They're all handsome. Um, and it does seem like paradise and it's joyful and happy. And for a man who really has not had that much opportunity for happiness, it's wonderful. It was kind of nice. And he, he's just talking about his delight. And yeah. I didn't know this existed. Exactly. And then in come the cops, which, again, is real. But, um, you know, is obviously was a tragedy uh, of an immense scale, you know, when it was illegal to do what they were doing uh, and right up until the 70s, I guess. Um, and so, you know, it is a dangerous situation. We know, of course, that the the folks at Downton, Robert, know, everyone at Downton knows about that Thomas is gay and they tolerate it. But if he had been charged, prosecuted, then that would, would mean... just washed our hands of him. Yeah, that would make him a, a felon. And so, you know, it would have had serious consequences. But because um, the guy who took him to York uh, is a member of the royal household. He's able to pull strings. Can flash his royal flash card. Flash his royal card. <laughs> get him out of uh, jail, I guess, or the, the holding cells. Um, and then they go off and have... And it turns out yeah. that this fellow He's is gay. also gay yeah. and he reveals this to Thomas and it's, like, it's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. And, and so it ends up Thomas being like, well, what a little adventure I had. And I was and I did, I'd spent like a couple hours in jail. That's OK. And yeah. then I met this nice guy and maybe we're going to see each other again. So but so instead of like the outcome being like, what a tough life it was for gay people at, at this time, the outcome is like Thomas had a little adventure right. and it ended right. up better than he was before. Exactly. And, you know, and. Again, it's great that Thomas has love. He's like, the guy really likes him. They have sex. They, you know, they like each other. They're, they're going to have a relationship. So that's wonderful. But, oh, did we have to, like, go through this big social thing that just became a, just a, something to toy with in the, in the storyline? But anyway, um, <laughs> the I same to, thing with Branson. I felt yeah, the way yeah, they yeah. handled the politics of yeah. that. Again, it's like this huge thing that's happening historically like and it, but it's just a way to make to have Branson feel good about right. himself and like get you right. know cement his ties with the family. Exactly. I want to mention one tiny thing which which actually delighted me maybe the most of the whole movie which was that when the king and queen were uh, at the uh, the parade or whatever mm. the Yorkshire Hussars played Il Climor, uh which is an old Yorkshire song on Il Climor Betat where has to been since I saw thee on Il Climor Betat. Keep going, Junior. We must have been seen like, Never stop. Uh, Let's just have the rest of the, rest of the podcast and then, keep doing that. <laughs> exactly. And then, of course, it's a song about how, um, hey, lad, they'll catch their death of code. And Pardon me? Then, then we shall have to bury there. <laughs> and then worms will, let, worms will eat thee up, and then we'll eat worms. And so it's a song oh, essentially the- about cannibalism, but <laughs> it's an old Yorkshire song. And even though this show is set in Yorkshire, and a few of the characters, a few, have Yorkshire accents, it always has felt to me that, again, the North is also being used, misused. And so to actually hear a Yorkshire tune mm. by the, played by the, the masked band of the Yorkshire Hussars did feel oh, good. And I was singing along. I don't know if you could hear, but I was singing along. Oh, I could hear. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so there's the, the usurpation. Uh, Anna, Mr. Bates... They all, oh, Mrs. Hughes too. The downstairs coup. We're, yeah. we're not footballs, June, and we don't deserve a kicking. 
and as Daisy says, and so they decide they're not going to. So because because these royal servants are really giving them the high hat, yeah, be incredibly naughty, and 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 it's the narcissism of small differences. Yes, and they're just taking their like little elevated status and and lording it over. The, the Downton staff and the Downton staff will not put up with that. And the Downton staff, I feel, justifiably thinks they know the house better. Like yes. they know the, these, the the people better. They know the house better. What let us do our thing. And why wouldn't the king and queen want a taste of of Yorkshire? Why wouldn't they want a taste of Downton hospitality? It's like you're traveling in a bubble. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that the, the Downton staff was right to mount this coup. Absolutely. And the fact is, when the page of the back stairs the said... The king's page of the yeah, back Yeah, the king's page of the back stairs. When he said that Downton was a minor provincial house and that our friends, the servants, were serving an undistinguished family, oh. that was when we said, Why well, You don't know if you remember. You. I stood up in my seat and threw my notebook at the screen. You sure did. You remember that? I do. And, <laughs> and then you were removed, and then we I had to... I was ejected, yeah, yeah. and you had to bail me out yeah, and yeah, show yeah, your yeah, right. royal card. My royal card. It was the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, no, I... The, that, yeah. that guy. The, he was a good villain, I yeah, felt like. Yeah, he always is. I, I was watching, as I do, uh, an old Midsummer Murders last night, mm. and he he was a, a bicycle you, you know fanatic. what I, You know what I just saw him in Saturday night? For some reason, I watched Four Weddings and a Funeral, the 1994 Hugh Grant, Andy McDowell vehicle. Go yeah, but he was good. He, was, he, he did a great job, I yes, felt, as the high-handed did. servant. Yeah, those servants who had those thankless roles were all good. Okay, so we, we need to probably get a little bit of a move on. So, but the... the <laughs> <laughs> Why? Lord <laughs> Fellows never does. The exactly. movie just kind of like exactly. exists in a... Well, yeah, and if our podcast is as long as the movie, is that really <laughs> such a bad thing? So the Downton Servants get rid of the royals, send some of them off on a train, They give lock the chef a sleeping off. draft, the king's page of the backstairs, they lock him in his room, they send all the servants off on a wild goose chase yeah, after yeah. making like a prank phone call. Yeah, yeah. And so the Downton staff is going to handle the visit. They are. And they get to put on the royal livery that makes them look like Toreadors. Where does that stuff, that stuff is just kept in the catacombs somewhere and they brought out no like when, once every like 40 years when the king and queen come to visit? I guess. They I must mean, have I've a got storage. mine. I, I've got one in my drawer at work, <laughs> but along with my slate, like office sweater, you know, for when it gets colder. I, I love the thought my Brooklyn apartment, like I have like <laughs> in the walk in like one of the closets way in the back. Way I've got back. my royal yeah. livery that I bring out once every few decades. I would need the kleptomaniac uh, ladies <laughs> made to adjust mine slightly since the last time I wore it. So, yeah, so they serve dinner. Mosley makes a fool of himself. Mosley addresses the queen directly, directly, which he really should have known. Even I, yeah. an American commoner, yeah. knew that that was bad for Mosley. He directly addresses the queen and then curtsies, <laughs> which gender fluid, like yeah, all, yeah. all right power, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. at that time, I feel was maybe mm. a faux pas yeah, of yeah. sorts. Yeah. And, but but it, was in a, it was like a, he had good intention because he was trying to inform the queen that, hey, it wasn't your chef who made this. It was Mrs. Patmore. And then the, I think the queen says our compliments to Mrs. Patmore or maybe yeah. the king does. Our, he mentions Mrs. Yeah. Patmore and says yeah. what a great meal she made. Yeah. Her name was on their lips. Exactly. It's amazing. Um, OK, so that happens. The other most ridiculous storyline is that the kleptomaniac lady's maid uh, is is found out by Anna, who, of course, is knows everything, can do anything, and is persuaded to take in Lady Edith's dress. The wrong parcel has been delivered. I knew that was going to be something because they kept saying, where's Edith's dress? Where's Edith's dress? 
And it came and it was, you know, like big enough for like all of the sisters to wear, <laughs> including the body of Lady Sybil. And June, so I know, sorry. Get, that was R.I.P. Get Lady Sybil's yeah. name out your mouth. Exactly. Uh, and so like, thank you for doing that. And now disappear, please, because that was ridiculous. What a pointless storyline that was. Why was that even? Who was that even to serve? Was Edith? The, was it Anna? The, was it the point that even the the queen's servants are also like of poor moral character? And the, like, I didn't understand no, that. And pointless. why? Like, and then I don't even remember seeing the dress at the ball. Like, it was yeah. just so pointless. Pointless. But <laughs> for as much as I love Imelda Staunton and Thomas Tuppence Middleton, who, of course, most recently seen by me, at least on Sensate, the, one of the greatest shows of the the last few years. Uh, please watch. Lady Bagshaw's holding out on giving her inheritance to Robert because she wants to give it to her maid, who she calls by her first name, which scandalizes people. Mm. You don't call her by her surname? She's not Smith. She's Lucy. She's Lucy. Uh, and we learn... What do we learn, Seth? Well, I thought they were setting it up that, in fact, they had a romantic relationship for a moment. I, I did, too. I thought they were setting it up that she was was sort of hiding her girlfriend yeah, as, yeah. as 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 a, as Which a would servant. have been a great storyline. Right. I thought that's what was going on. But no, it turned out that, in fact, it was her daughter, yes. her illegitimate daughter, yes, who she, she was concealing. Yeah. So she'd had an affair with a commoner. Uh, and the commoner had been killed in the Boer War. Lady Bagshaw had gone off to America to have the child, had brought her back to England, had educated her, but in a local school, you know, not like a cough, <laughs> and um, had hired her as her maid and had told her when she was 18 and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the, and so this woman, Lucy, like Tom Branson, was sort of oddly between classes. She's on the precipice of, make, of, of of climbing socially and she's trying to deal with it and she finds a, a very sympathetic year in Branson who has made this leap himself from yeah. chauffeur to member of the family and so they get on very well but it's not just it's not just that they understand each other's situations there is a spark there yes and you know the thing that was this is a controversial view perhaps but in the early seasons certainly the first and second, one thing that Downton did incredibly well was love affairs, romances. It wasn't mm -hmm. a rom-com, although I guess there was some calm, but like it, well, they had really great love stories. Mary and Cousin Matthew Mary was really Matthew. the reason that yeah. Downton became Downton. Exactly. The, the season one romance between Mary and Cousin Matthew was what made the show a, a, a legitimately good yeah. show at yeah. times and what really drew in the masses and why I liked it. And I think you, I yeah, think yeah, they yeah. did. It was just... It was great. Yes. It was legitimately great. And once he died, the show was never really the same again. Yeah, exactly. After There was just like a faint after echoes of that. Yeah. And, you know, Sybil and Tom, that was also, you know, a sort of forbidden romance. That was decent. It wasn't quite on the scale of Mary and Matthew, but still it was decent. And then after a while, they kind of, once those love stories had gone away, something very key to the show just, the, the show went down in quality when there was no more like love sizzle. Mm. Um and this movie, it tried to have two romances, the one with Tom and Lucy and the one with Barrow. And I'm afraid I don't remember the member of the royal household's name. And Not the one between me and Carson's eyebrows. Exactly, exactly. And I guess Daisy and Andy, although that Ugh. really does not seem like it should is a don't relationship care. that should happen. <laughs> Uh, like they just they just didn't manage that. They couldn't no. pull that off. They just didn't have any spark. They didn't have any sizzle. Well, the Tom and Lucy one wasn't established at all. It's sort of like he liked the look of her, great, and and then the but like they 
and they had like a couple quick conversations, but it just wasn't really yeah. established. No. She just she had a very winning smile and like it kind of like wrote on that. And right. that was that. But, right. Uh, good and for they them. were dancing outside, just as you'll remember. Mary once had a classic outside dance with somebody or other. I remember oh, Snowfall. Love a good outside dance. But it just wasn't the same. Like you could see what they were trying for, but eh. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I'm not even going to give, again, I keep saying I'm not going to give credit to, but there's also the storyline with Edith getting pregnant and her husband, the Mar. I don't know what's he That was like the lowest of oh, stakes. Like stop. he might need to go on a work trip for a little while. Oh, he doesn't. Thank yeah. goodness. Thanks, Cora. Okay, so that happened. But then the final reveal was something that was high stakes, and I didn't really know why it had been revealed. Um, and it upset it's about me. the Dowager Countess. The Dowager C, yeah. So. She reveals that in the first sort of section, she disappeared off to London, which seems strange to me because it's not like she just pops to London. She's not that kind of girl. Uh, and she didn't say what she was doing. She was very vague. And then she, at the ball at Harewood, she takes Mary aside and she says, uh, I need to tell you what it was. Uh, it was some medical tests. And I'm afraid I'm not going to be with you very much longer, but you will kind of carry on my spirit. I'm anointing you yes. to be the future craggy old woman of Downton and to carry on. Yes. The, the holder of the Zingas. <laughs> right. And like, I, you know, OK, maybe it was to get some tears going, which it actually didn't for me, even though as much as I adore Violet. Like it just it felt the, the, like that's not the way you convey that. No, it's like in the a drama fell flat, yeah. and she, like there were no hints of her failing health at all. Right. She seemed just at exactly all. the no. same as she always been, and she's just like there's no like outward sign of no. this. And she just says, "Oh, by the way, I'm dying. I don't have long to live. Yeah, don't like let now. Let's go dance. Don't worry yeah. about it. Not a big yeah. deal. MBD. <laughs> and so I just kind of wondered why did they do that? I think it was to give us tears but also i think maybe there'll be more downtons and they just kind of want to give us heads up yeah don't expect maggie smith in the next uh, one heads up we may not be able to agree to contract terms with maggie <laughs> smith for the next one after this and we want to give ourselves an out exactly which you know great because i'm i'm there like i know you're about to have another child and i suspect I that you know the he might be going to downtown abbey 17 you know just before he heads <laughs> off to we college. can only hope <laughs> yeah, exactly but uh, yeah, that just kind of didn't do it for me. Yeah. Well, this is so they end the film with Carson saying, oh, you know, th there's some like a conversation about like what's going to happen to Downton. It's 1927 mm -hmm. as we in, in the year yeah. of the film. And it's what's going to happen to Downton. And Carson says, oh, Downton will be here a hundred years hence. And like it, nothing will change and right. this will live on forever. And of course, we know with it, you know, it's now almost a hundred years later that that's this is not exactly how things right. went down. Yeah. Uh, I looked up, so there were some other comparable, some comps oh. for Downton mentioned in the film, if you if you, were, if you recall. They were like, they mentioned these comparable houses, Arendelle right. and, and Blenheim yeah, and yeah. Uh, and one other one, Chat, Chatsworth. Yes, yes, yes. Which is, to me, always the town in the San Fernando Valley where they film pornography. Oh, but, wow. But Chatsworth, I guess... to me, is where the, the Duchess of Devonshire, who was one of the Mitford daughters, uh, lived until very oh, recently. okay. So, yeah. Well, I, so they mentioned those as comps. Yeah. And yeah. I looked up what did become of those real-life homes and what, so one of them, I couldn't really tell what, what happened to Arendelle, but, but Blenheim, they had the way that they saved it was one, one of the heirs married a, an American, a Vanderbilt <laughs> heiress. 
in order to like get the money in order to mm-hmm. the upkeep. I don't know exactly what's going on with that house now. Yeah, One of sh- the great Catholic families of Britain, if I remember correctly. Oh, ah, okay. And I think the family may even still really yeah. live there. Yeah. And yeah. like most of the most of the, the uh, in Chatsworth, they it's mostly like gr- museum grounds and open to the public. But like some duke pays market rent for his rooms in it, which yeah, I find yeah, yeah. so like yeah. so like kind of what a quaint funny story that there's this like duke who's like you know seventeen generations removed from the builders of the house who's mm-hmm. like paying market rent for some three-bedroom apartment in there. Right. Well, that's often the case that now they're run by the National Trust and maybe the family still live in them as much as anything else to still have that air of royalty. I mean, they're not actually royals, but air of kind of gentry. Um, But they, yeah, they literally rent a room or two and, you know, have the public treading through. Or another thing that they sometimes do is rent out their house for filming shows like Downton Abbey. Yes. So yeah. that might be another uh, option for Downton in a hundred years. I yeah. Well, they did. I think they ended that. You know, we're supposed to sort of, you know, nod at the irony of him saying, "Oh, it'll be a hundred years," and we know that you know things aren't going to exactly go the way Carson thinks they're going to go. But the the movie very specifically chooses this year, nineteen twenty seven, where yes. I, I'm sure lots of things are happening. But like to the modern. Uh, audience like that you don't say 1927 of course that's uh-huh. when this happened N- nothing in particular is happening it's just this like quiet interlude yes there's an assassination attempt at the king but you know it's thwarted before yeah. anything happens and yeah. the king is very becomes fond of Branson and says oh I think I owe you one chap for saving my life uh, uh, just like I think it was it was a very conscious decision to yeah. set it in this quiet interlude where nothing much is happening and we can just luxuriate in this different time and mm-hmm. these different world yeah, and yeah. i think i again as we said i think that was a great choice it left me with a wonderful feeling and you know what june i would happily do this with you again <laughs> not to more than two years but less than seven years yeah, from now yeah, i would yeah, happily yeah. luxuriate in another couple of hours of downton with you me too and do you recommend it to our listeners if you are a Downton fan, which if you're listening, if you're, you're still, still listening, listening, you are you 56 must be. minutes into this podcast about <laughs> this film, you are for sure a Downton fan. If that's you, yes, definitely. I'm sure you've already seen this movie, but if you haven't, yes, this movie's for you. I'm going to go ahead and preemptively recommend, you know, the next, the sequel three <laughs> years from now, because I think it'll just do the same thing again and I'll be happy to see everybody again. And you know what? Let's just carry on. Yeah. And I wonder who Daisy will be you know, hesitating down the aisle with then. Who knows? Oh, what's that? What's that, June? I hear... Oh, oh I'm being summoned. I've got to go. Oh, is that go. the bell from, yeah. the, from the Dowager Countess's yeah, chambers? I, I, gotta... I, I think she needs you to draw a bath. I do. I, or so. she, wants me to, she wants me to polish her zingers. Oh, she's quite insistent. It keeps... <laughs> she just keeps ringing. Okay, well, thanks everyone for listening. Please do subscribe to the spoiler special feed and uh, we'll be back with you in two weeks' time discussing some other movie or perhaps TV show or who knows, maybe even a podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, June. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.